0: Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track This is the follow-up to our second walk around Bristol Hello Ross Hello Are you you with us? Yes I am Yes. (laughs) You looked slightly jaded (laughs) On our walk we mentioned St Brendan up at Cabot Tower He was the Patron Saint of Wales.
1: Yes, that's Wales the Aquatic Mammal, not Wales the Country, to
0: clarify. The Patron Saint of Wales is, of course, Saint David. Indeed. Saint Brendan is also the Patron Saint of boatmen, divers, sailors and elderly travellers. Ah. Now that's inspired us to look up some more saints who are patrons of multiple things. Let's kick off with an A-lister. The big shirt, the big guns, Saint Valentine ah yes not only the patron saint of love but also of beekeepers apiarists, happy marriages and young people all nice so far but he wanted to mix it up a little bit he's also the patron saint of the plague dun 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 (laughs) well he kept that one quiet yeah, we've got a few
1: more that you may not have heard of. Saint Friard, who's the patron saint against the fear of wasps. He was a 6th century French hermit. When tormented for his piety, a cloud of wasps attacked his tormentors. When Friard prayed for them, the wasps left. I imagine he's quite busy during the summer months and not so much in the winter. Uh, I, I think it's Friard. It might be Fryhard. I don't know. If it's it, Fryhard. perhaps he's the patron saint of Greasy Spoon Cafes.
0: <laughs> saint Bibiana who was a 4th century Roman martyr, is the patron saint of hangovers. According according to legend, when Bibiana was buried, strange medicinal herbs grew around her grave, and that might be the origin of her patronage. In the Middle Ages, pilgrims to the holy site of Santa Bibiana would scrape dust from its columns and eat it, which worked the same hangover magic as the original herbs did. Apparently.
1: Apparently. The last one I have on the list is Saint Drogo, who was a 12th century French saint, the patron of, amongst other things, coffee houses, mm? unattractive people, oh. and mute persons. Okay. I'm, I'm reading here that, reportedly, Drogo was able to bilocate, which refers to the ability to maintain one's actual presence in two totally different places at the same time. Witness, wow. Witnesses claim seeing Drogo working in the field simultaneously and going to mass every Sunday.
0: That, if you can pull that trick off,
1: yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a winner. People have been trying to pull that one off for years, haven't they? <laughs> Where were you on Sunday? I didn't see you in church. Oh, I was there. I was at the back by, uh, the, by the font. That's funny. John said he saw you down the pub. No, it's okay. I can bi-locate. I was in the pub and at Evensong. Anyway, there we go. That's a roundup of saints with multiple and perhaps odd patronages. I don't understand how it works. Mm. It's the idea with these utility saints that if you're in need...
0: You pray to them is that how it works i guess so if you're unattractive though pray to saint drogo no more for god has invented a solution the plastic surgery industry (laughs) (laughs) i wonder if they know if they're carrying out his work
1: On our walk at Bristol Cathedral, we mentioned the Richard Burton film The Medusa Touch, in which he commits homicide using the power of his mind. Legendary film critic Roger Ebert named The Medusa Touch as the worst film of 1978, and we've got a
0: clip of him saying so. This time we've got the Dogs of the Year, the two worst movies of 1978. And my choice is The Medusa Touch, which starred Richard Burton as a man with strange, out of control psychic powers. Just look at this ridiculous scene as Burton makes a plane fall out of the sky. Something's wrong. You've got full power, Captain. has gone haywire you bet the whole film went haywire the medusa touch not just bad not just awful but a true disaster in the dog of the year and i can tell you in 1978 it was up against some strong opposition for the worst film *Battlestar galactica the film attack of the killer tomatoes wild geese and the swarm (laughs) Haha, yes the swarm is a, a michael caine vehicle all i'll do is i'll give you a quick synopsis Okay, A huge swarm of deadly African bees spreads terror over American cities by killing thousands of people. We can, uh, we can play a clip of this as well. We've been fighting a losing battle against the insects for 15 years. But I never thought I'd see the final face-off in my lifetime. And I never dreamed that it would turn out to be the bees. They've always been our friends. It's,
1: it's, uh, it's a wonderful piece.
0: They've always been our friends. A career high for Michael. I'm not so sure, actually. No, but it's, it's
1: not the Nadir. No? J- Jaws 4. Oh. Yes, they made four Jaws films. <laughs> I wonder if Steven
0: Spielberg was still involved at that point. <laughs> uh, I think we should probably get back to talking about history. But did you know, just a quick aside, did you know Steven Spielberg directed the first episode of the first series of Columbo? Wow, didn't know that. No, impressive. Talking of TV detectives, they often multitask. Mm. They've got their day job, but they also do a little detective work on the side.
1: Yeah, they they have a full-time occupation, but a, a thirst for justice and truth.
0: For example, Murder She Wrote. Angela Lansbury's character is an author and a detective. Yeah, a couple of bases covered. It's a bit like the Saints we were talking about earlier. Multi- multitaskers absolutely well what
1: about someone like lovejoy antiques dealer oh but he was always a bit sort of he's a bit naughty i think he's a lovable rogue yes a rogue-like antiques dealer based in east anglia do you remember the program pie in the sky with richard griffiths yes thank you he plays henry crab an (laughs) on-duty
0: police officer who's also the head chef of the restaurant so he's a policeman and a chef what has the sergeant got to say about that? The sta- <laughs> the station captain. This truffle's delicious, but but who's looking for Lord Ponsonby's Bentley?
1: <laughs> uh yeah, uh, all creatures great and small. That's oh, another one yes, from, I remember. Yep. But I don't know. I think there a vet
0: a vet. Was there any detective work in that program? I, don't I think know. it was the Daily Lives of Vets in Yorkshire. <laughs>
1: was it? If I completely Yeah, I don't, I I don't think it had a I don't no think murders.
0: it had a, a yeah, murder mystery element to it. No. Miss Marple. Well, what was her job? Full-time elderly lady. <laughs> at Rosemary and Time. Full-time middle-class ladies. Is that their occupation? <laughs> ladies of leisure. Yeah, spend a lot of time at the golf club. <laughs> While their husbands are in the city. I d- I've never watched Rosemary and Time, no. so I don't know. I'd have no idea. I don't <clears throat> I've got another one. Yeah. Cadfile. 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 He's a monk. He's a monk. Yes. And, that's, that's a good and a one. Historic Murder Solver. Historical Murder Mystery. CAD file not to be confused with the detective series Monk, <laughs> which is an American detective series. So just don't get those confused. One's a Benedictine monk from 12th century Shrewsbury, and the other's a private detective from San Francisco.
1: <laughs> now, all the ones we've named, are they all... It's always deaths, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. It's always so. homicide. That's, that's the most glamorous
0: form of crime, isn't it? <laughs> the the murder. Yeah, well, for the detective. Hang on. Well, no, Lovejoy's slightly different in that he's his general crime. Antiques-related crime, not murder. But it I, can involve murder. I think on a number of occasions there was a murder story. But they're the dark episodes. Ooh.
1: Can I just say, I know i uh, uh, just butting in there, all creatures, great and small, I've just looked it up, not even a hint of detective no i did say that detecting there's nothing at all i don't want to repeat myself but no. yeah i did say that i thought they were vet detectives i'm thinking of ace Ventura. <laughs> oh, I may be getting confused with your proposal for a program where
0: you wrote about a, a vet who's a serial killer that's correct hang on a second but i'm i don't know if i want to say too much more because this is an idea that's still active <laughs>
1: that's a serial killer of animals this is, yes it's not humans no that's he's,
0: right he's 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 addicted to to killing pet cats and dogs or budgies, people's pets. People's pets. They take they take them along, you know, hoping that he's going to save them. Yeah. But he's a a pet serial killer. Is that every single pet he kills? A good proportion of them.
1: But some he's got to save, so it doesn't look like he's just yeah 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 Yeah.
0: the Mm. good the nice ones, the nice animals, the ones he likes. (laughs)
1: <laughs> now, we were talking about Mary Carpenter on a walk, finding a severed human foot in an outbuilding at the Red Lodge when she was transforming it into a girl's reformatory. No. And that has got us thinking about dismembered body parts <laughs> through history. Yeah. In fact, in my notes, it actually says famous historical dismembered body parts.
0: We don't want to come across a psychopath's but we're gonna have a discussion about it
1: yeah first one Jenkins Ear go on then the war of Jenkins Ear was a conflict between Spain and Britain between 1739 and 1748 events started in 1731 when the left ear of British merchant Robert Jenkins was cut off by the captain of a Spanish patrol boat after Jenkins was accused of smuggling off the coast of Florida eight years later the preserved ear was presented to the House of Commons by Jenkins himself to try and garner support for a war against the Spanish the conflict was intended to improve Britain's trading opportunities in the Caribbean but was ultimately unsuccessful and was eventually subsumed by the war of the Austrian succession so they they presented his ear as evidence well he presented his own ear he presented his own
0: ear 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 (laughs) why did he preserve his own ear did he preserve his own ear yeah so he was aboard a ship had his ear cut off yeah and then stuck it in a jar vain hope of getting it reattached maybe plastic surgery that's what they needed (laughs) They had a ship's surgeon. should have had a ship's plastic surgeon. <laughs> All the crew with perfect noses. <laughs> Hollywood smiles. Here's another ear for you, Roscoe. Van Gogh's ear. Yes, of course. On the 23rd of December, 1888, Dutch painter Vincent van Gogh cut off part of his left ear with a razor. He later documented the event in a painting titled Self-Portrait with Bandaged Ear. Uh, I read here also that he allegedly wrapped the ear up and gave it to a prostitute in a nearby brothel. (laughs) Odd payment method, right? (laughs) Afterwards, he was hospitalised and then checked himself into what was called then a mental institution. During this period, he produced some of his best and most well-known works, including Starry Nights and Irises. How about this one? Yeah. King Harold's Eye. That
1: wasn't dismembered. If anything, that was pushed further into his head rather than dismembered as he he was shot in the eye.
0: I don't know. Didn't it pop out (laughs) when the arrow went in?
1: He underwent involuntary ocular reassignment. (laughs) Well, that, that does sound like a plastic surgery method. Yeah. Waterloo teeth okay I've got here in the 18th and 19th century poor dental hygiene and the popularity of sugar created a huge demand for replacement and false teeth tooth robbing from corpses became a lucrative business following the Napoleonic Wars in the early 19th century there was an abundance of donors lying on the battlefields of Europe Waterloo teeth was a blanket term used in the 19th century to describe any set of replacement teeth pilfered from dead soldiers
0: Ooh. you can tell if a town successful in battle if they all got nice smiles <laughs>
1: We've got uh, two ears, an eye, a foot and some teeth. I feel like
0: Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein. (laughs) Frankenstein's monster's turning up. (laughs) It looks like we're running out of time. We were going to talk about Uri Geller. You don't need to say anything funny about Uri Geller other than have a look on YouTube for his trip around Exeter Football Club with none other than pop megastar Michael Jackson. It's one of the most outstanding pieces of footage I think I've ever seen.
1: (laughs) yuri geller says there's something magic and mystical about the number 11 i wonder when we stop recording because we've mentioned him the recording length will be a multiple of 11 22
0: minutes maybe 33 minutes he's surreptitiously controlling the length of our recording yeah via the brain waves via his brain waves (laughs) anyway it'll be 111 minutes at this rate Actually, on that note, there used to be a cricket umpire called David Shepherd, who, when the run score reached 111 or multiples thereof, 222, 233, etc., uh, he would stand on one foot. If a multiple was 111, he stood on one foot. <gasps> oh, maybe Geller's controlling his foot. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we, we've been, uh, we've actually gone over time, haven't we? So I think... Oh, it's the quick, fill, It's the 111th minute, stand on one foot. <laughs> we should... So uh, we'll th- I think we'll end it there.
0: And Let's end it there.
1: From... From a from a wet Bristol.
0: Yeah, quickly, my foot's hurting.
1: The uh, we'll uh, see you next time on off the beaten track. Bye, (laughs) goodbye. You can sit down now.
0: These bees, general are of joint concern, and they are killing Americans without reference as to whether or not they have a serial number and are expected to salute you.